Hello and welcome to Shop Small, Eat Big, where each episode we'll be speaking to an artisan food or drink business, baking, brewing, creating, making fantastic produce and selling it throughout the UK. We get under the hood to understand what inspired them, how the business got started and the detail and love that goes into their products. Hope you enjoy listening. If you do, please give us a like, share, follow on our social media page, Pueblo UK, and any comments, please feel free to reach out on our contact email, hello at pueblofood.co. In the first episode of Shop Small, Eat Big, I've got the pleasure of introducing my first guest, Emma Oates from Crumb Club, an artisan most well known for letterbox brownies sold in individual and subscription-based boxes online. Emma has built Crumb Club up by baking from her home kitchen in Shropshire since 2019. Not a bad start to kick things off. Enjoy. Emma, how are you doing? Keeping well? I am really well, thank you. Yes, I am. How about you? Despite everything that's going on, keeping happy, trying my best. uh, Challenging, isn't it? I think that's probably the right word. It is. And... Also, when you're trying to run a business as well, it's it's absolutely insane how over the last sort of year and a half, so much has changed, especially offline to online. That's been a huge shift, hasn't it? Yeah, massive. Absolutely. Yeah. So the part of this podcast, you are episode one, which I'm so grateful I for. I'm so excited. Um, I'm honoured. It's superb, right? It's fantastic. I know. Very happy to have you on. Part of the podcast to describe to you and for our listeners is we kind of split it into three segments. So the first one, we talk a little bit about the business, how you got the business going, um, some of the some of the cons, some of the pros, and then we're going to get into a little bit about the products, what you're doing, what you're selling, how you're creating it. And then at the end, we'll just do like a few quick fire questions on uh, cool. some current events. So it's great. So um, just take take me back to even before Crumb Club started. Was this a was this a hobby before it became a profession, or is it you know always been something that you thought, okay, I want to do this? Yeah, I suppose it definitely started as a hobby. I probably in the last 10 years or so, realised I like baking. I like making sweet things. I'd always be the one to put my hands up. I'll make dessert. That, you know, I'll have a go at that. I'll um, be that person. Yeah. Yeah, I'll do that. I'll have a crack at pastry or whatever. I found I quite enjoyed it. Um, mm. And then as time went on, it sort of became a bit of a running joke. I suppose my groups of friends, oh, is Emma bringing brownies? Are you making brownies for this? Or if we had people over to the house, if we had a barbecue or a dinner party, you know, have you, have you, made, have you made brownies for pudding? So... And at the same time, at work, it kind of was something similar. You know what it's like in an office environment? People love cake. So I would yeah. sort of make those sorts of things. And we'd have bake-offs and that sort of stuff at work. And I suppose I started to get a little bit of reputation, which was quite nice. So we'd do stuff for charity and, and that kind of stuff. And that was all quite fun. Mm. And I realised I enjoyed it. And then I suppose really a couple of years ago, um, my son started school. And all of a sudden then the, the reality of school life plus full-time work and all that sort of stuff it didn't quite mesh it didn't quite fit and I'm really lucky my husband's been fantastically supportive so what he's always known this is something I wanted to do when we we had a chat and we got to the box what now's the time you know you need flexibility you want to be at home more you want to be able to 
go to parents' evening or the school nativity. Completely. But you also, why not do that and do something that you really want to? Give it a go. You know, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah. So I did. So I, I finished my job. And then so that first, that was, oh gosh, that was December 2018. So 2019 was mostly, I did sort of commissions for people. I did small bits of orders. I yeah, did a lot of research stuff right. actually then in developing yeah. the business. There was a lot of just a lot of stuff to think about. Yeah. That you don't really get time to when you're working. You know, you've got these sort of ideas that bubble away in the back of your head, but you yeah. just need time, real time to sit and think and research and look up stuff and try things. So a yeah. lot of that first year was doing that. And then towards the back of 2019, I started to feel like I knew where I wanted to go. And then launched the website just before lockdown, like the week before lockdown. I'd had it; it was done, it was ready, and we'd been we'd been to and fro with it for quite a long time because we decided to do it ourselves. And we finally had it ready to go. And then lockdown hit, and we did it anyway. So I thought, you know, I can still work; it's safe as long as we're healthy and, and I can get the right ingredients and such. We may as well go for it. Yeah. And actually, I think in a funny way, we really benefited from having lockdown because. I send stuff by post and it meant, you know, people who couldn't see their loved ones or were missing birthdays or important events. It, it kind of gave, it was a quite, a, quite a, the, the boost to be honest. Yeah. And that's interesting. So you, you almost caught the wave perfectly or when you set up the website, you know, your online shop, which, you know, looking, if we look back now with hindsight, we say, wow, what an incredible shift from offline to online, purely because it was forced upon us. You know, food food stalls, food markets were shut down. You know, the only way that you could continue operating and selling was to have that website. So it was quite critical. Absolutely. And I've got, I know... So I know um, other small businesses and and small batch producers just use social media to sell things. And I... It's a way of doing it. And I says I could have, it would have been a way to shift quite quickly um, online. But it's when you when the orders come in thick and fast, you kind of need something a bit more structured. Yeah. You know, you kind of need to be able to organize stuff better. And I found that um I still, you know, people still, particularly for commissions and stuff, will send me stuff privately, but having yeah. a proper formal website with a proper back end and all that kind of stuff made life a lot easier, particularly because I was kind of inundated. It was a real um, baptism of fire to be honest. The amount in the first couple of months that I sold, I didn't expect. And it was a really good robust way of testing processes you know what do I make when how far in advance can I do stuff how how much can I make in a day that's quite an interesting question you know how much if I you know literally in the kitchen from 9am just sitting there just nine yeah. to five bashing yeah, yeah. up I mean, brownies because you know, um, we're you know it's, it's my home we don't, I don't have a commercial setup so in terms of, you know we've got a double oven but you're almost like well how much can I push how much can I actually sort of churn out in a day so what is that what is that number have you have you have you come I imagine you keep testing yourself have you if you've got a bit of a record the, at the moment the biggest I've done so far I had a corporate order in the summer so August last year I did a corporate order for my old company which was great because they wanted to reach out to a small producer and they contacted me which was fantastic and I did 44 boxes so I did 22 dozen cakes wow to send out but there was a mix and we did three different Flavors for the standard set of dietary requirements, if you will. We then also, also did a vegan set and a gluten-free set. So they made it really easy for you then as well, didn't they? <laughs> they they're my old team. Of course, they didn't make it easy. They knew what I could do. Um, so that was stressful, but a really good test. And I, I sort of came out the other side thinking, well, I did it. Yeah. I kind of know what it takes. And I know the level of organization I need if I'm going to pull off that kind of number. But it's it's quite a useful way of 
you know, we don't know if we don't try, do we? And I'm not going to try and bake 45 boxes on my own if I don't need to. Does anyone have? A, does anyone else have any time to get into the kitchen when you're in that mode? I mean, what what, are, what is the? Not a lot. There might be a few more takeaways and stuff when it's when it's really busy. Yeah, so just commandeer the whole place. We couldn't move. There were packing boxes, just ingredients everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah, everywhere. I suppose because of the timing that you decided to launch the shop, and as you say, and you you were talking a little bit about how you know you you did kind of need to test all of the processes, and it's very much a a learning curve isn't it especially when you first start as to, as to how much you need to produce you know uh, how often you're operating there's, there's just so many things to consider what yeah. you know what did you just personally what I know that lockdown didn't help so I was just I'm thinking immediately off the top of my head well were you able to source the ingredients I imagine that was tough but what, what would you say was the hardest thing for you to kind of get the business going so before we launched, packaging was a huge headache, I suppose. Uh, do, do, do you mind telling the story? So I, I will no, give, give away that I, I know this story very well. Having not at all. So I, I knew when I was formulating the idea, I knew I wanted cakes to be sent by post. I knew I didn't want a shop, for example, or any premises, at least not to start with. That's not what I'm interested in. So I knew I wanted them to be postable. And I figured if I was going to do mostly brownies and that sort of thing, they lended themselves to being letterbox friendly. Um, they don't last that long because they're, you know, they're fresh and they don't have any preservatives in them. So I didn't really, you know, the danger, you know, people are at work, they miss the postman, they get sat at the depot till Saturday when you can go and pick it up and then they're way past their best. So I, it was a bit of a no brainer that I wanted them to be letterbox friendly cakes. Um, yeah. It's a real popular thing these days. You know, you've got flowers through the letterbox and I get my dishwasher tablets through the letterbox, you know, subscriptions and all that kind of thing have taken off massively. So there are a lot of packaging companies that make boxes and, and envelopes that are letterbox friendly mm. so I ordered oh god so many different kinds and the problem I found with most of them is they were really shallow because they want them to number one fit through your letterbox easily and number two it costs less to post and you can't do a flat brownie it's, that's not you what you want flat brownie. I tried as flat as I could go and I just thought I could you know there comes a point where you think well do I compromise on the quality of it? And I just, it, no, it, it, it I just decided it wasn't it's worth it. So I ended up, I found a company online who um, make bespoke packaging. So I sort of sent off, we did a few tests. Yeah. We um, sketched out some dimensions and they sent me a tester and we tried that and it wasn't quite right. So we adjusted it by a few mil here and there, tested it again. And when we, I put me three or four iterations and we got to one that we thought, this fits through my letterbox at home. I'm not having to make my brownies any smaller. I think we're there. Um, and I use them. So yeah, it's a bespoke set of, of stuff that I use and they're fantastic. And it's, um, it's, it's, it's exactly what I wanted it to be. You know, it just, it just, you can sort of, you think you can sort of visualize something. You kind of know what you want it to be. Yeah. And I saw that box and when I wrapped it up, I was like, there they are. That's what I wanted. That's, that's it. And it's amazing that you had that problem in the first place. It's, it's almost, I don't know. I think when, when people do set up a business and when you were sitting there thinking about how you were going to, set up Crumb Club and get it going. Packaging, whilst probably in your mind, is not necessarily at the forefront of your mind because there's always no. that core, I, you know, I'm in the kitchen, I'm, I'm baking, this is what Recipes, I do. Recipes, absolutely, it's, yeah, yeah. But there's just so many things around that that you just, you don't realise and then you encounter it suddenly as a problem. You go, oh my goodness, I need to deliver these and there isn't the right box to put them in <laughs> absolutely things like adhesive I went to you know I went to various stationery stores and bought six or seven different types of glue because I didn't know then how I wanted to stick the boxes together how are they going to get through the post all these things as you start to then 
wrap them up. I, I sent sample boxes out to friends, number one, to sort of test how long the post took. Um, it's different parts of the country. I then tried different glues and tapes on different boxes and sort of asked them to take photos and send them back to me, which That's was quite so useful. Interesting. Yeah. Um, just as, and they were like, well, this this tissue paper leaked and it doesn't look very nice. These um, stickers that you used, didn't they, they haven't stuck very well. So that was quite useful. Mm. But again, things that you kind of don't really think about until you're there with a box ready to go and you think, oh, actually... <laughs> And, you know, I, I tried sellotape to start with, but it looked really ugly. And again, you start to get this image in your mind of how you want the finished product to look. And you think, well, okay, how, how am I going to get that? And we're there again. I'm really pleased with the box. They're quite sleek. Um, yeah. I use yeah. very little. Um, I think my box is all recyclable. My tissue paper is recyclable. Super. My the, the greaseproof paper that we use as well. I found a really fantastic company who do compostable greaseproof paper. Um, so as much as I can is recyclable as well, which is quite important because you know we all know how important it is to try and not add to the <clears throat> yeah. add to the waste yeah. and I think it's an important I think a lot of companies are looking for it a lot of customers are looking for it these days they want companies who are interested in sustainability and completely that kind yeah. of thing so I, I, th- I think that nowadays that's that's really key isn't it you, you've got that you've got that core offering you've got that product but it, it's everything around it as well that people want and want to see that right reduces 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 our footprint which is yeah. you know we, we all got to take some responsibility at the end of the day Absolutely. We? Um, yeah and as, a, and as a manufacturer I, I don't want to you know as, as a consumer I do you know with the things mm. we buy at home we try and look for things with less packaging or recyclable packaging so I'd be a real hypocrite if then I didn't try and do that for myself and I think you again as you set the business up I think I'm starting to realize what my, my, my business principles are yeah immorals what, what we stand yeah. for you know we make cakes and that sort of thing but actually I, you know what am I not willing to compromise on I maybe pay a bit more for certain things because they are recyclable yeah. but actually I think that's it that's important and that's stuff I don't want to I don't want to don't want to compromise do you, do you think customers actually buy into that I mean do, do you have any sort of validation of you know customer a coming to you or is you, have you had any feedback to say that you know I appreciate that everything around what you've baked for me you've considered and you've thought about in terms of your goal towards being that sustainable business and it impacting the preferences of, of, of customer purchases? Not specifically, no. I've had people come back and sort of say they like how it's packaged and it's got their sort of safe and things, but I think that's just more the logistics yeah. of it. Um, yeah. But I wonder if it's something, you know, if, you've, if, you, if you're looking perhaps and you're on Instagram or whatever, you see, oh, okay, this is this, and maybe it's just that final little nudge that persuades you to buy from me rather than another because I'm right. very aware yeah. you know when I first started thinking about this there weren't many companies selling cakes through the letterbox mm. and all of a sudden and there's lots of reasons why you know people the the, the absolute you know surge in, in subscriptions and stuff through the letterbox I think has a big part to play with it but yeah. all of a sudden I, mean, I look on my own Instagram feed and the amount of adverts for different companies I follow a few because there's a real nice community actually um mm. But you've got to stand out. And I suppose a little way of doing that is just having those principles around sustainability and the environment. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I um, I heard you there just, just say a little bit about um, subscriptions and just other um, price considerations that you, that you may have had. And I suppose one question that, that I had for you that I was interested in, where you've launched um, 
so just before the the first lockdown in March last year, um, have you sort of spotted any any trends like that? Has the because you, you said there that all of a sudden you were probably looking and you were the first letterbox, or one of the first letterbox brownie companies, and now all of a sudden lots of people are doing it. So there's mm-hmm. potentially the, the trend of just more more people now working from home, potentially setting up other businesses. That seems to be <laughs> yeah. something. Um, yeah. But also with the way that people buy as well, are, are people changing the preferences towards how they purchase these things? Is it, you know, have you noticed a difference of say offline to online, and probably subscriptions as opposed to just one-off purchases? What's your sort of thoughts have been like for the last year? I think, I think people like people online shop a lot. I think people like the ease of being able to buy a gift for someone and send it directly to them. I think people like the fact that they can just sort of order something and know that someone else will take care of sending it, posting it, and getting it to them. Um, yeah. Subscriptions, yeah. I think, are another. So I'm, we started our subscriptions in the summer, and they're kind of smaller number of subscribers we have at the moment. But you know, every month there's a couple extra. It's um, yeah. it's nice, yeah. and I think again, I think people are. I think people quite like these things as a treat for themselves as well. I think there's an element of, of the sort of self-indulgence about it. I think there's something quite nice about, you know, I'm just going to have, you know, every month the box of cake comes through my door and they're for me and that's really nice. And a lot of ours are for gifts, but uh, equally I think quite a lot are just for um, for customers themselves. I think, I mean, in this, I, I wonder actually if lockdown and, and the way the world's been the last year will change the way people shop forever to be honest yeah I, I think it was probably already there but I wonder if it's just pushed a lot over the edge I think I, I, you know there will always be a market for people wanting to go and buy things themselves but I but I do think mm. fundamentally it will change how people buy things and that push as well and I, I hate to be a walking talking like irony the fact that this podcast is called shop small uh, eat big but the shop small element has I think has really reigned true hasn't it that 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 openness um of people thinking twice I guess maybe they've got more time and they think well there are yeah. there are other places available to purchase products like this there are tens of thousands of independent retailers artisans all all up and down the country um either having a fixed abode or are posting their items in uh, through through the mail they haven't had the opportunities um like some companies that uh, you know one of the fortunate ones that fill up the shelves in the supermarket yeah. um so it's been as you say that that shift has really taken um i think i noticed in the first lockdown i remember um all the sort of um, bits on social media and things that people shared about, you know, think about your local company. You know, if you go to a mm-hmm. major chain to get your coffee, that's fine. But actually, if you go to the guy down the road, they, they're the ones that really need it. Um, and a lot of that kind of stuff being shared. And I wonder if that sort of helped permeate people's consciousness a bit. I mean, there'll always be a swing. You know, you see how much some of the, the really big companies have made off, off the back of lockdown. But I wonder yeah. if on the complete other side of the scale, some people have gone, actually... I do have a bit more time to look. Perhaps I'm furloughed or, you know, I've got the option to, to spend a bit more time thinking about where I spend my money. And perhaps I'd quite like to do some of it with a with a, a small company. Yeah, uh, I, I think you're right. I think that's where, where people are certainly heading. It, 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 it seems that way as well. And mm-hmm. um, it's just about incorporating places that, that make it make it easier for people to do that as well, right? I think that's the other Definitely. thing. It's, it's so easy to walk into a supermarket. It's easy to talk to, obviously... A market's impossible 
offline at the moment because they're, they're shut down currently, at least at this time of recording. But um, having having convenient online options now is just it's imperative, I think, isn't it for for, for you and for the, for the many others? I agree. I couldn't. I mean, I. It's, it's a funny one for me, having not lived, having not had the company before lockdown, but I just think about my customers and who are, who buy from me now. You know, before it was just friends and family. When I just used social media before I launched the website properly, it was just friends and family, which was amazing. But it was, you know, small time commissions. Whereas now I have regular customers who, I, who are all over the country. You know, I have regular people who who've received a box of my cakes and they've gone, that's a really good idea. I'm going to go on and use that again. And I think a lot of that wouldn't have happened if I didn't have a you know, a decent online presence as well. Completely. Yeah. So that takes me to um, this year, uh, 2021, new year. We try oh. to look at 2020 and forget it as quickly as we possibly can. Yeah, um, definitely. Albeit we can we can take some positives out of it. We try to. But um, does Crumb Club have any specific plans for the year? What Do you have any goals, New Year's resolutions that you're thinking about for... For Crumb Club, either with products or or, or just, mm. or are you just trying to get on with with what you did and just grow the customer base? What's the idea? Yeah, I think mainly it's just growth. I think just sort of carry on as I have been this year, grow the social media presence, grow, increase the number of orders. You know, I, I can I can I can manage a few more, and I think <laughs> as I <laughs> going to be careful what I wish for. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, is there a limit potentially? That's a nice you, problem you to have, that. though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think there would be. Um, I don't quite know what that is. I don't think I'd want to be making 44, like 25 dozen a day, every day. <laughs> but I can certainly flex around what I've got at the moment. And I think that will be, I think I'll know it when it happens. I think, and I think then there'll be an interesting, you know, thought for me of do I, what do I do about expand, you know, expansion? Do I do I look to get a small premises that where I can make stuff in bulk? Probably that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but... I have been doing recipe planning for this year, which is quite exciting. So th- I usually have a um, usually a limited edition um, flavor every month. So I've been trying to plan through the year what I might have for those. What I'd really like to do, and I wasn't able to last year, I'd like to get into the wedding market. We got married, um, I was when I got married um, in 2018. And rather than make a wedding cake, I made brownies. And I just did a massive stack of like a couple of hundred with a proper you know, wedding cake topper on top. And that was our wedding cake. That's we thought, well, number one, I didn't want to, I like making cakes, but I'm not, I'm not particularly good at the fine decoration. That's not my, that's not my interest or my forte. And I didn't really want to pay someone else to do it. Um, they're really expensive, big wedding cakes. So I thought, well, actually, and, and I'm known for it. So wouldn't it be quite nice? So three days before the wedding, I was there <laughs> baking dozens and dozens of brownies. I could have done it before and frozen them. I was like, nah, it'll be fine. <laughs> Maybe not my best idea, but but I'd quite like um, either as as, wed- as as wedding cakes or as wedding favours. I think there's something quite nice as a comparatively low cost alternative. And I would have liked to have got to a few wedding fairs last year, which I didn't get a chance to, obviously. So I'm interested if yeah. if we're yeah. able this year to um, to have a look at that. You know, I've done some corporate orders, and that's quite nice. So again, that sort of thing as a as a side is quite interesting. I quite like. Yeah, they all order whatever they want as well. It's quite nice to work with someone to kind of work out what new and fantastic flavors they want to have. So, so the corporate side of it, I would like to sort of see where I can grow as well. Yeah, and product wise, I mean, I think it's fair to say that you, you do a range of, of different brownies at the moment. I presume the, the salted car- caramel one is that takes my eye, but of course, you've got, you've got the classic one as well. So, again, are you, are you having a look at your recipes this year? Are you thinking about incorporating some? 
some new products at the moment. I mean, you, you're known for your brownies for sure, aren't you? That that seems to be the, the core of the product. But I'm seeing I'm seeing some millionaire shortbread at the moment, which um, yes. I'm, I'm interested so in. That's looking the, popular. Whilst I think a lot of the companies that exist online, a lot of them are brownie specific. Where, so I've there's always been at least one option that's not a brownie because I do appreciate everyone's not a chocolate fan. I mean, I don't understand them, but you know. Um, so there's always been like a, there's a raspberry crumble shortbread that um, actually won the bake off at my son's nursery a few years ago, and I thought, well, if it wins that, it's going on the menu. Um, and um, there's millionaire shortbread; they have gone down really well. So they're on there all the time at the moment as well. So there's a couple of biscuity type ones, and um, there's I've kept it quite small for January in terms of the menu because of homeschooling that sort of thing. I'm trying not to push it too much this month, but yes, as of next month, there'll be a new brownie of the month. I'm also keen to. Um, add some new vegan options so i do have a vegan brownie that's on the website available just a classic a vegan version yeah but i would like to do some um more vegan options through the year maybe one every three months or so i have i haven't had masses of vegan orders at the moment so again that's another area i perhaps like to look at trying to expand my presence on sort of those sorts of you know areas is there a change taste-wise between a classic brownie um I mean, because ultimately, what what are you what are you what are you mainly removing out of the brownie just 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 to you know for everyone's benefit? Like eggs. What's, what's so with the vegan, you remove eggs and butter. And I'll be honest, I was really skeptical. Right. I was really skeptical. Because you're you replacing that with anything. Is there anything else yeah, going on? Yeah. So instead, you, so I think with most vegan cakes, you can use oil, which is quite a standard thing. It's like a carrot cake. So that's not completely unusual to use oil instead of butter. Yeah. Um, but the lack of eggs, and I think particularly for a brownie, because you Really, the bulk of a brownie is eggs and sugar mixed together, and it's air. You know, there's a tiny bit of flour. There isn't much that holds them together. That's why they're so fudgy. So it's, I kind of thought, oh, I don't know about this. And I did try a few different vegan recipes. And I have to say, the one I found I'm really pleased with, I happily would eat the one I have now as a vegan brownie. I'm quite pleased with them. They're not identical. Mm. They're dark tasting, I guess, because there's not much, there's no dairy in there to kind of yeah. temper it. And I use quite dark cocoa and quite dark chocolate. Um but I'm really, really pleased with them. And I did say, again, I've got a few vegan friends, so I did send some out to people. And I said, look, I need your honesty because I have no idea how this stacks up against other, other vegan bakes. So please let me know. And I got really positive feedback. So if, if, if you know, if people who eat these cakes all the time think they're all right, then, then absolutely, let's go for they're, it. They're good, to, they're good to go. And what for you makes, um, what, what do you look for in terms of, let's say the characteristic, if I can say that, of, of a brownie? What is it that, for you tells you that this is the perfect brownie like are there specific characteristics so i always think about the the crust on the top yeah that, that top yeah. layer that's always one that i look at when i yeah. super batch i'm thinking because it's kind of the cake if it doesn't have that on the top isn't it right and i think it is quite personal i suppose and everyone will have different views on it i think it's got to be quite soft in the middle otherwise mm. it's a chocolate oh, cake and a chocolate cake is all fine it's, but it's got to be you know yeah there's got to be some gooey. fridge in there yeah. absolutely and I think I found it quite interesting when I was first tweaking my recipes, actually. I, and I order brownies quite a lot when I go out for dinner as dessert, partly because I really like them and also I'm interested to but see. But you want to try, don't you? You want to see if yeah. anything's better. Of course. Absolutely. I, I want to see, see how I stack up. Absolutely. <laughs> and I think I don't like them when they're too sweet. So I think volumes of sugar, I've played around with the, the quantities of sugar I use in mine. I'm quite happy now. I've reduced the sugar, not massively, but... Yeah. Um, I think good ingredients, I use butter, I use free range eggs. And I think those I use really 
decent dark cocoa and I use really good Belgian chocolate and that has definitely made a difference when I first started um, and I was sort of buying bits from a supermarket so like you know just yeah. a, a bar of chocolate to melt rather than the kilo sacks and you know kilos and kilos I have now and when I started then buying bulk and started buying some of the more expensive ingredients I noticed a difference yeah possibly on their own you wouldn't notice but I think when you've kind of tasted them in increments and you go okay well I've used this cocoa this time and I can tell that's better and I've used this and actually I can tell that's better I think all those things together I suppose are, I'm really pleased with the sort of basic recipe I have now um yeah You've got that on lockdown, so to speak. I think so. Yeah, I feel so. I'm, I'm really pleased. So yeah, I don't want to mess with that. Yeah, and the and the classic. What I mean, what's your preference? What, what's your favourite? Do you just stick with the classics? Because I mean, so my when my um, when I was a, when I was a bit younger, my um, my mum made brownies, and she always put um, so she did the like the, the dark chocolate brownie, but would put like little chunks of um, white chocolate in there before yeah. they go into the oven. So then when mm. they come out. They were just like, you'd take a bite in a brownie, but then you'd have a little extra of almost like melted chocolate in there and just sort of like little patches like that. I always used to love that, that seems, anyway. I, I'm a bit that of just a, decadence. I'm a, bit of a purist. I, just, I, don't, I don't think so. I think it's just a personal taste. And I think and I know a lot of people who do prefer extras and stuff. I think the recipe I first used called for chocolate chunks and I put the chocolate chunks and I just sort of thought, I don't quite know. I think it's a bit like ice cream for me. I don't like hard chocolate chunks in my ice cream. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> no, um, I'm the same. But n- nuts as well. I, I couldn't deal with that, for example. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, you know, the being being a purist. like. Oh, so putting I quite nuts like in a peanuts brownie. in them though. So peanuts, no. oh yes, really? there's the difference. But I think only in peanut butter, I wouldn't generally put stuff. I think, I think I've think i learned, and I'm learning this year is to, whilst I think my own tastes are a really good starting point, you should think, well, what do I like to eat? You know, I think it's slightly about putting my own ego to the side and thinking, well, what do other people like? So for example, I don't like fruit and chocolate, but I've just made my last subscription box with black, cherry brown, uh, black forest brownies because... I know they'll be popular and I've got like a sounding board of friends. So quite often I'll ping them a recipe list and be like, what do you think of these? And you get like dribbling emojis back and you're like, okay, I think they might be quite popular. So even if I'm not a fan um, and I think that's quite useful and that's why the subscription boxes are quite useful and why the um, limited edition flavors are really useful because I can see how many I sell. The Biscoff ones through the sort of early part of last year went through the roof. They were super popular. Why does everybody love um, Biscoff? I, I, I get it. I like Biscoff, but I, I heard You're that. I, I saw. I saw the feedback, and uh, I, I just recalled them. As you said, like they they went off the shelf, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, yeah. And and then I took them off, and I had to put them back on again on the website because more people wanted them. By so popular I, demand, right? Absolutely. Keep people wanting more. That's it. So they're gonna. They'll come back. They're gonna. They'll make a comeback this year. Um, yeah. But that's quite useful. Other things that I thought would be super popular, like because there's trends, and I notice I um I follow a lot of foodies and other bakers and producers on Instagram and things like that so you start to see what what they're doing what the trends are and there's fads and that's always fine but I think um it's a really nice way of of gauging what's popular and then sometimes so I made um what did I do last year as a one-off I did some bakewell blondies some cherry bakewell blondies with almonds and cherries and they were divine and so they're going to go back on the website and I'll probably put those on the shop for a few months next year as well so I quite like being able to I've got like my core of my small sort of core of, of, of um, products that don't come off the menu. And then I quite like, you know, I, th- I think it's good, as you said, that you're using the, the, the limited edition and you're using the subscription boxes almost as a way of, all right, I'm going to 
I'm going to play around here. I'm going to add the Biscoff yeah. or I'm going to add the, the Blondies or the, or the Cherry, um, like the, yeah. the Black Forest ones. That, that, that's yeah. epic. So you kind of get to figure out and get some feedback from people, right? And It's a really fun way of doing it. So I can sort of sit there and basically I've got like this wish list and I'll be like, oh, what shall I fancy making this month? Let's put that in the February box, for example. Um, so it's a really nice way of, it, it helps me test the recipes as well, if I'm honest. If there's things that I'm not sure about, I can, it gives me, you know, license to test so I can have a go at doing them and, you know, they might not work and we, we tweak and we change. Um, it gives me the impetus to do it sometimes. So I've got this massive list of recipes that I'd like to try, but I don't often want to just bake something for the sake of it because then I've either got to eat it, which is a disaster, or then I'm giving <laughs> stuff away, which my friends don't mind. You know, let's be honest, you know, so I end up posting quite a lot to friends and family when, I was, when I've got leftovers. <laughs> So I was about to ask you. We've got a, we've got a, I've got a, got a, got a couple of quick fire questions here. Which and, and actually, okay. you almost answered. You almost answered it. So, what's the favourite item in your store at the moment? Salted caramel brownies. Oh, not the classic. I thought you said you were a purist. I am, but I just love salted caramel. So you can give me a classic one with salted caramel sauce on top, or a salted caramel. But yeah, this, if I if I've got spares at home, hundred percent. That's what I'll go for. You heard it here first. How many brownies do you consume in a week? Now, I'm sure that was our, a question on the tip of everybody's tongue. You're baking that many brownies a week. Oh, They're coming out of the oven. They're smelling God. amazing. Surely you know, you've got to go one or two. Come on. It's either, I either go one way or the other. I either get so fed up of the smell of chocolate that I go off them for weeks at a time, or I'll have one every day. At the really? moment, it's a bit more of the one every day. If I've got spares, I don't make them. I don't generally make them for myself. And my son is quite upset because he's like, "Are they for us?" And I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> Bless <laughs> him. Spares. I, I would spares. not. I would not like to be your son. <laughs> you know, he's he's probably think of the amount of brownies that he's smelling on a daily basis, and they're not yeah. for him. That would just be nope. a worse worse nightmare Torture. for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of a thing. Most sort of three o'clock, you know, get that get that three p.m. dip, have a cup of tea, have a look what's in the box. Are there any spares rattling around? And yeah, so like I try my try. It's not ideal every day, but um, at the moment, I'm yeah, probably a couple a week, I suppose. Yeah. Now, this is not this last question is not necessarily about Crumb Club, but it is just generally in the in the in the theme of um, this year and shopping small and shopping local. Are you ordering anything from another artisan at the moment? Is there anything that you just absolutely can't do without or you it's a bit of a treat? It's something that you're looking at. I know that you said that you do keep an eye on Instagram where so many just great foodie businesses seem to be posting a ridiculous yeah. amount of content and you want to order everything. But is there something in particular that your you guys are having at the moment <clears throat> so i i have ordered from a sort of over christmas as a treat i did order from a couple of small bakeries that do these sort of fantastic deep dish cookies and i, I followed them for ages and i sort of thought oh they look delicious so i finally over christmas ordered some so i've got some spare in my freezer so that's quite nice um that sounds good. i have flowers delivered and i don't know how i don't know how big the business is now there's a company called freddie's flowers that i get flowers right. i saw them i found them Gosh, just over a year ago, I went to the Good Food Show in Birmingham and got accosted by a guy there. And I've been having those. So I've got my next delivery coming tomorrow, actually. And I really love I those. See again, <laughs> I see the bikes all the time. Uh, so oh, yes, well, it's by DPD here. It's not quite so. <laughs> it's not quite so. Uh, no, not, but yeah, they, they do deliver them on bikes, yeah. don't they? That's it. Um, and they're it. fantastic. And I really like, and it's a bit of a mixture, I suppose. It's number one, it's a smaller business. But number two, it comes to the door. And I and they're beautiful as well. So that's a really nice um. Nice little treat. I I think that's probably yeah. 
I use a couple. I've, there's a, a company who um, print my um, stickers for the business, and I use this lady I found on um, Etsy. Um, and she does the stickers for the business. That's quite nice, and she's a lot cheaper than the big printing companies were. But again, you know, she does a great job, and I'd much rather you know pay her to Absolutely. do them than, um, than another firm. So there's, and I'm always keen for looking out for stuff. I think it's kind of hard with some of the ingredients that I buy, but um, mm. always, always, always on the lookout. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, we've, we've we've come to we've come to the end, Emma. Thank you so much for um, for taking the time out to uh, to speak to me. It's been you're very welcome. To, thank uh, you very much for having me. It's been lovely to catch to up. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, and and best of best of luck this year for uh, for Crumb Club. Like we um, we wish you all the all the success, and um, hope your son gets to eat some of your brownies at some point as well. <laughs> save save his soul. Thanks Take very care. much.